We're at the symphony with early conductor of the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra, who will hear in the summer series at Hartwood Acres with two weekends of concerts on July 30th and 31st and on August 6th and 7th. Maestro Lee, it is a joy to be with you. We're really looking forward to the concerts. You know, the series got off to a great start with Byron Stripling. It was a really nice night. The conditions at Hartwood Acres can be just ideal on a, on a summer evening. I don't remember now. You've done Hartwood. Did you do it for the 4th of July? It wasn't too long ago, yes? I did. The July, July 4th was... Actually, that was the week that we were um, getting back together as a full orchestra and performing for a live audience. So it was a very special week for, for all of us in the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra. So did you have the 1812 Overture? Of course. 1812 Overture is always the the piece to come back to for that that week is just such a great piece and a perfect piece for outdoor nice i saw lots of uh, good reports on facebook and heard good things about the concert so i'll hope to hear your tchaikovsky with marta krechkovsky who's going to play the tchaikovsky concerto yes yes the violin concerto she, uh, she'll be performing the first movement which actually is a very significant and substantial length of music it's about 20 minutes long just the first movement alone and we're really looking forward to, to working together. Um, Marta and I actually, we both went to prep school in, in Toronto together when we were, I guess, like 14, 15 years old. So this is kind of a special moment for us to make music together, again, as a, as a conductor and a, and a soloist. She is an amazing player and a gem of a human being, too. She's always a joy to know and to meet. So I hope everybody has a chance to, with COVID, I don't know how easy it will be to shake her hand and congratulate her afterwards. But sooner or later, you've got to have a chance to say hello to Marta. She's been by the studio for a couple of, of interviews. But uh, I'm sure it's going to be fun to have uh, Tchaikovsky on the program. And you've got Rossini's Thieving Magpie Overture and Brahms' First Symphony. These are all masterpieces. Absolutely. You know, the point was for us when we were putting our heads together to come up with pieces for these two, two weeks of program, we wanted to put in pieces that are just really familiar, pieces that people might be really uh, hoping to hear, uh, classic symphonic pieces that we were not able to hear in live concerts for over a year and a half. Uh, Thieving Magpie, of course, it was used in so many soundtracks, but it's, it's such a joyous music and just a great way to start off a classical uh, week at Hartwood Acres and of course Brahms one. It, it just has this message that because the piece was conceived and composed in such a long period of time that Brahms went through this, uh, so to speak, he waited and waited and wrote it. And just this whole process is kind of so magical that we're get, we get to hear this music after this long period of, of of not being able to see each other, hear live music. So that was the, the reason behind that from my part. Um, yeah, uh, Brahms won first and last movement and the Thieving Magpie Overture and Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto with Marta Krechakovsky. Ideal. Surely we have seen the Thieving Magpie in a Bugs Bunny cartoon, correct? Uh, yeah, Thieving Magpie and I think also another, probably the the big one was William Tell Overture used in the cartoon. But I think the Thieving Magpie, if I'm not mistaken, was probably used in one of Kubrick's film, Clockwork Orange, I think. Yes. 
Oh, my. You have to look at that a little bit later in life than uh, when you're watching uh, Bugs Bunny, I guess. <laughs> yes, very looking at for sure. Okay, and then we have August 6th and 7th, Will Chow playing the Rococo variations. Will Chow told me you two were together as classmates at uh, Curtis. Actually, we, we, we were at Curtis, studied with the same teacher, but different times. Um, um, I, our teachers... Uh, this wonderful cellist, Peter Wiley, the, the former cellist of the Guarneri Quartet and also the Bozart Trio were uh, huge influences for a lot of cellists who went through Curtis Institute. So we, we shared the same teacher. And um, yeah, we'll actually, I, I met him um, here when I when I came to to join the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra. And, and this piece, Rococo Variation, is, is, it's a masterpiece. And I again, I'm really looking forward to working with him. It's a charmer. Have you studied the Grammy-winning Yo-Yo Ma Lauren Mazel recording of the Rococo Variations? Absolutely. And actually, one of the big inspirations that I started playing the cello was actually a performance of Yo-Yo Ma playing the Rococo Variations. It's actually one of the Tchaikovsky celebration concerts in, 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 in Russia conducted by uh, Termir Konov. And Yo-Yo Ma is playing the cello. The Rococo variations. I remember my father brought the concert video of them when I was a little kid, and and I watched it, and I thought, I said, I want to be like that person playing the cello. So that's kind of how it all began. So it's a very special, it's a very special piece for me. And Rococo suggests the 18th century. Uh, we know that Tchaikovsky loved Mozart, and was that part of his thinking in putting this set of variations together? Yeah, I mean, if you if you if you listen to this piece, um, of course, Tchaikovsky sometimes can be very very full and virtuosic. In all means, this piece is also virtuosic, but it's very classical. the The instrumentation, the the writing of the piece is is very is very um, let's say elegant and and smaller. Um, no um, no full brass section, just just the basic woodwinds and horns and and cello so it's 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 very chamber music like kind of piece if if, if i would put it in one way the program includes mendelssohn dvorak and tchaikovsky yes mendelssohn dvorak uh tchaikovsky and brahms actually hungarian that's number one and um the the three pieces that were starting the program to get uh to to kick off uh, slavonic dance number eight by dvorak the Mendelssohn Scherzo from Midsummer Night's Dream and um, Hungarian Dance by Brahms, number one, all in G minor. So it's triple G. And it, they're about five minutes each. And I, and um, when I was putting this program together, just small derbs of really wonderful pieces to just start off the concert for the audience. So I think there's a lot to look forward to right there. It's absolutely delicious. They're all hits. This is a... You just can't miss this concert. With the great outdoors, we'll, we'll surely have some starlight that night, and you have the smell of the green grass at Hartwood Acres. And uh, well, are, are there were refreshment trucks, too. I think there's food trucks involved with this happening. I've seen some in uh, for the July 4th concert. So definitely a long line of people waiting to to get their concession for the the, the concert. A very uh, inexpensive ticket. Uh, I, I, it's priceless uh, what's going to happen here. Now, the Mendelssohn Scherzo, I have to ask, I remember that you did some special study of Mendelssohn at Court Mazur's invitation in Mendelssohn's hometown of Leipzig. Oh, yes. This was actually uh, about 2013. Um, uh, I've had the 
the, the fortune of studying with him several in several master classes and every year he would pick one or two conductors to 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 study music of Mendelssohn. Um, Maestro Mazur had this feeling that Mendelssohn's music was not as well appreciated as it should be and he wanted us young conductors to kind of become the promoters of music of Mendelssohn. So yeah, I spent about one month in Leipzig to to follow Mendelssohn's footstep, you know, study his music, um, study his family line, and also work on pieces like uh, Mendelssohn's um, Italian Symphony Number no. Four with Mazur in Leipzig. It was, it was. I ne never forget that summer. It was, it was wonderful. So, uh, memories of uh, your Mendelssohn uh, research and uh, study. Uh, he's such a fascinating guy, a super genius. Some people say even more than Mozart. He started so young and wrote such amazing music. His octet did us, as a 16-year-old, it's just absolutely incredible what he was able to produce. And then he had a fascinating uh, set of relationships. Some people say he committed suicide over his heartbreak with romance. I mean, he's just a fascinating guy in, in, in every way. What, what, what do you uh, bring with you from your Mendelssohn study in his town of Leipzig? Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, Leipzig is such a, I mean, it, for those of people who's been there would probably agree that it's such an artistic town that there is such big, rich history of, of, of classical music. I think probably apart from Vienna at the time, it was one of the centers of classical music. And it's very evident there that one of the trips that we were put on was to actually travel to Weimar from Leipzig because we uh, had to visit um, Goethe's house, who was a big influence and uh, was a big figure for young Mendelssohn. In fact, talking about Mozart and Mendelssohn, Goethe had lived long enough life to have witnessed the young genius of Mozart and young genius uh, of um, ability of Mendelssohn. And there are letters that he wrote that says that Mendelssohn was not uh, anywhere behind uh, that ability of Mozart, that he's up there. Those, those two are really, really up there together as two two incredible young geniuses. And of course, in the if you go to the, it's a big house, and there is a piano that both uh, young Mendelssohn would perform for Goethe. Uh, not to mention young Clara Schumann. I mean, this this whole trip and and this. Um, following the footstep, it was, it was something very special. Um, again, in Leipzig, for example, you go to um, the school that is now the, the continuation of the academy that Mendelssohn founded for, for students. And this um, librarian took us, uh, me and my friend, back to, um, to this room where they brought out this really old book. And it happened to be students like jury record book and every the very first registered students is, is number one and just number one all the way down to a couple of thousands that still continues today and um and uh, Mendelssohn of course was a teacher along with Schumann and and you they, this lady turned to this page where it says this number would be very special for you and of course there are handwritings of Mendelssohn which is beautiful and it's about Edward Greek who was a student there and you just see all these um, steps. Oh, Greek um, couldn't pay for tuition. He's waiting. It's it just all these details of student record in that book, and and just finding all these things was was very, very fascinating. Um, yeah, I mean, just the fact that Mendelssohn's writings were so beautiful. He was a great painter. 
he was just good at everything he touched and 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 of course music also when you were there in leipzig i guess it must have been about 20 years after the wall between the east and the west in germany came down leipzig having been on the eastern side was there any evidence left I mean, it's a very different city than it was 30 years ago any evidence left uh, did you go to the stasi museum or anything like that it's weird to think that the stasi used to follow musicians like you around when they came to leipzig yeah well you know i was not really able to really witness that the um evidence but i can tell you that mazkor mazor had a huge um, influence on on all that um, uh, uh, protests and everything. In fact, he he's like a hero in in Germany and especially the town of Leipzig. And um, I remember getting on the cab with me and my my colleague to go to Maestro Mazur's house for a lesson. And we of course can't speak German, so we show the 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 driver the address, and he said, "Okay, let's go." And um, when he was dropping us off, he said to us in this incredibly um, face of awe saying, does this Herr Mazur's house? And I said, yes, it is. I mean, everybody knew where he lived. He, he's just a figure. And yeah, I mean, that, the fact that he, it could have been a bloodbath, but he, he stopped every, everything. You know, the tension was apparently really, really real. And he got people to come into the hall to, to listen to music and just get everything to be peaceful i mean he's he's a big hero it's it's it, that evidence that i was able to to talk to him and 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 also to hear the story so there was something something special it's it's a fascination that uh, in the gewandhaus orchestra you would have many members who had lived there under the uh, former soviet totalitarian regime uh and if you watch films like the lives of others about that time. Of course, you had people spying on one another, family members uh, who were afraid to tell one another what was really going on in their lives because uh, you never know who was on what side. It's very strange for those of us who live in a free society in, in, in the West to imagine what it would have been like. And it wasn't all that long ago. So I, I just wondered yeah. if people ever spoke to you. They're reluctant to speak about it, of course. <laughs> people still, and yet there's a strange nostalgia for that time as well because it was a, a familiar scene that people knew it's fascinating to me that whole huge area of uh, the effect on music making of uh, of the politics in in the east the composers everybody was affected by it in one way or another mm -hmm. absolutely yeah more on your concert to summarize if one comes to the concert why you're at your parents place if you tell mom and dad you really should come to this concert uh, what would you say? You've given lots think, of reasons here. I think there is such incredible beauty in attending a live concert. And this is something that we're all really missing out for last year and a half. Somebody actually asked me, um, why would someone, when there are recordings like CDs, where everything is recorded to perfection, that you can enjoy it at the you know, comfort of your living room, on your sofa with a nice drink, why should somebody get in the car, drive somewhere, and go, go through all the trouble to go to a live concert? And I said, actually, a, a great colleague of mine in, in Canada said this, and, and it, I, it never leaves me, that he compared it to seeing Rome or Paris on a postcard versus actually going there. 
And there's that incredible beauty to a live performance that words cannot describe. So I really hope that a lot of people will take interest and come join us on these uh, four nights of incredible music making. I love it. How's your family? Uh, Mrs. Lee, is she still playing the flute with the New York Philharmonic? She is. Um, at, the, at the current time, she went to Korea with, with our daughter. She's about to turn one in three days, and um, I'm sad that I won't be there with them. But, um, yep, they're in Korea, and um, and my daughter is enjoying the, the grandparents' love there, so I'm sure she won't complain. <laughs> And your daughter's sleeping well through the night so that mom and dad can get a rest? We're extremely fortunate that she is a great sleeper. She sleeps from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. straight. And she's been doing that since she was about four months old. So we're very lucky. Oh, Dad, that sounds great. And have you been <laughs> able to get out to any of the New York Philharmonic's pop-up concerts? They were showing up in neighborhoods around New York City. Yeah, they were doing that for a while. I think it was called, it's called the, the music bandwagon on your Philharmonic bandwagon. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to because uh, having a, a life with a young daughter, we're, we're always, our life is kind of just centered around her. So whenever we're not practicing or it's, it's all about her. So <laughs> hopefully that we'll get to see it. I'm sure. And the plan for the uh, Pittsburgh Youth Symphony Orchestra is in place. You're also music director there. Yeah, we're we're talking, we're talking, um, just planning out for the, the the repertoire. Of course, there are a lot of protocols, and it's 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 like clockwork, but a, a really large organization and and meetings involved. So yeah, we're we're it's in the works. And looking out at the horizon for the fall and the winter uh, with the Pittsburgh Symphony, any dates in your calendar that you're sure of? Oh, not at the moment. Hopefully, hopefully something will solidify. But what an exciting season that was announced by the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra, where, where everyone in, in Pittsburgh uh, should be proud and should look forward to the, to, new, the, to the new season coming up. Well, I'm so glad that we have a chance to hear your work with the orchestra this summer. And I'll see you on the lawn at, at Hartwood Acres. I want to wish you all the best. Enjoy the time at your folks. And uh, we'll, we'll be in touch as soon as you get back to Pittsburgh. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes talking it over. It's a joy. Thank you, Jim. Always a pleasure.